Hello, ghosts and ghouls. This is Mary Hughes, one of your hosts of I Know What You Podcasted last summer. And you might have noticed when we were wrapping up our last episode, which was about The Nun. Go take a listen to that one and get our thoughts and feelings about the latest in the Conjuring universe. But we talked about how we have some bonus episodes coming up as well as some mini casts that'll be coming up where we'll be covering television shows. But the bonus episodes are something a little special. And what they are is myself along with the other hosts are going to be contributing some scary stories starting here in October. Uh, They might be real. They might not be real. That's up for you to decide but they should be scary and they should be enjoyable. First up in these bonus episodes is yours truly. Got ourselves a spooky story set back in time. Uh, A nice little ghost story, perhaps, that you can uh, sink your teeth into. I'm going to highly recommend that you listen to it with some headphones on to get the full enjoyment of, uh, of this particular tale. And otherwise, as always, you can follow us online, You can listen to our episodes on SoundCloud at the Night of the Living Geeks page or at NOTLG.com. We are found on Stitcher. We're even having episodes put up on YouTube. Just search for I Know What You Podcasted Last Summer. Uh, We are on iTunes where you should definitely give us the five-star treatment. And you can follow us on Facebook at I Know What You Podcasted and on Twitter at What You Casted. So, without any more delay, let's get into... A Haunted House Story, from me, Mary Hughes, on I Know What You Podcasted last summer bonus episode. with this question. Do you believe in ghosts? You can find out a lot about a person by their answer. No tends to mean that they don't believe in the unexplainable. No means a trick of the light or a lack of sleep. No means that it's all in your imagination. But if they answer with a yes, that's when I know. That's when I know that they have skirted around a lonely dark house on their long walk home certain of eyes staring after them, that they've seen something lurking in their room in the middle of the night as they lay frozen under their bed sheets. Because seeing is believing, that's how the saying goes, right? But it's true, because I have seen, and so I believe. What follows is a ghost story, a tale tucked away in the mountains of western North Carolina, taking place sometime in the late 1980s. It's a story about the delicate balance that exists between the corporeal and the spiritual and what can happen when that balance is disturbed. This is my story, bound to the tin roof above and the cement blocks below, held fast by the brambles out back and the woods beyond. I was too young to recall much when it came to the building of my childhood home. My parents and my siblings were the ones who toiled to bring it to life, 
two-by-fours and chalk lines and mud under the fingernails until we had a home. I remember the big front porch, though, nice and shady during warm summers, and the hallway that split bedrooms and bathrooms from where the family would gather, near wood stoves and bookshelves cut by hand. When I was a child, the house felt huge to me, and so did the surroundings. We had rich green grass all around and apple trees. There was the garden that got tilled, prepping for green beans and potatoes, sometimes corn and pumpkins too. It was my domain to roam as I pleased. I never once thought about who might have lived on this piece of land before us, who might have once called it theirs. And I wasn't scared of anything, not really. I wasn't frightened as I ran around the yard with my dogs, and I didn't lose my nerve down by the creek as I would dig and pretend to find dinosaur bones. I was fearless in a way that only a child can be, safe and secure in the knowledge that once I was inside, in my room with my mother and father just down the hall, that nothing could actually harm me. And this belief held true for a while. I sort of remember it in snapshots, that first moment. It was late, so late that everyone else was asleep, and for no reason that I can remember, I woke up. I was sharing a room with one of my sisters then, the bedroom in the middle of the house. And when you'd walk out the room, you could either go into the bathroom opposite the doorway, or to the right and into the hallway. I went towards the hallway that night. My gaze was drawn to the back door and porch, and I watched as the door slowly finished opening, porch light on. Seconds later, one of our cats walked in. When I think on that moment now, I feel like I should have been scared. The back door was quietly swinging open without anyone there. Locks that should have been locked were undone, and the light was on, as if someone I couldn't see was coming home. But I wasn't scared. The cat came to me and I picked him up. I carried him in my arms to my parents' bedroom. I ended up scaring my mother instead, whispering loudly to wake her up, and the first thing she saw was a cat in her face. I felt no fear that night. And I didn't know it at the time, but others in my family were having their own experiences and feeling strangely calm about it all as well. I'll say it's the first experience I remember in such detail. This is my mother. Her life could be its own episode, complete with visions and spirits and voices that have reached out to her from the ether ever since she was a young girl. Maybe that's why she doesn't spook easily. She's grown used to such things. And whatever presence that first made itself known to my mother in our house, well... It just didn't shake her. Of course, uh, we've talked about this before, but can you tell me what you recall uh, about seeing a figure in the hallway in the old house? The moment, uh, as I remember, your dad and I had gone to bed, and it was that time of night, maybe 11-ish. Uh, I wasn't asleep. I had just turned over with my back towards your dad and looking out into the hallway. The door was open, of course. And um, 
I just looked at a movement. You know, there was just this slight something caught my eye. And when I looked more closely, there was a, at first, like a shadow. And it was right there in the hallway between the living room and, and our bedroom. And as I continued to look, I could see that it was the shape of a woman, a person. Um, I could see her, the shape of her hair, her head with her hair pulled back in a bun. I could see uh, she was about my height, maybe a little taller. Uh, she had on a long, I'll say a dress, although I feel it was a skirt, like she had a, a blouse and a skirt, and it came all the way down to her ankles. I don't feel like her feet were covered by the, the skirt, but she just materialized or was already there when I turned to look. I'm not sure which, but she proceeded to move. It was very slowly, and I want to say almost like she was floating, but I know that's a term that's used so much, but she, the movement was slow and deliberate. And she turned and looked, even though I can't describe her face at all, but she looked in the room and I, I was looking right back at her. I don't remember my tendency in situations where I do feel that someone's there is to speak to them just mentally, you know, say something. And I don't remember if I did or not, but I wasn't afraid had absolutely no fear. It was like she belonged there. Some feeling of her just acquainting herself, looking at things to see how they were. And so as I watched, she went on right past the door. I didn't get up. I didn't feel there was any need to. It didn't alarm me in any way whatsoever. And I didn't feel that e-harm was going to come to anybody in the house. So I just assumed she went on about her business doing whatever. And that may have been if I said anything, I would have just said, you know, be at peace or do what you will. And I, so I did not uh, wake, I mean, wake up. I did not get up. I did not follow her or look to see where she went or anything like that. like shadow making no sound as she goes from room to room, perhaps taking note of all we have changed or maybe just passing through from one realm to the next. My mother saw her and felt nothing but calm. Even one of my sisters felt her gaze on her one night as well, eyes peering into our shared bedroom. I never saw this woman myself though. I never felt her watching over me at night making sure I was asleep. Besides seeing the door open that one time, I had no idea that some spirit might be roaming our house once the sun set. In fact, the biggest thing playing on my mind during that time was that I was finally going to have a room of my own. My eldest sister got married when I was only four or five, 
and the next sibling in line had finished high school and was off to college. This left the back bedroom free for the taking, and so it was my turn for some independence. I can see the room clearly when I think on it. One window facing the clothesline in our tiny struggling peach tree, the other window looking out over a patch of daylilies. There's brown paint over wooden walls and a black and white TV that I kept on every single night. It was in this room, though, that all the fear I had not felt before came creeping into my life. There was the time I could have sworn that something was moving in front of the television, darting back and forth so quickly that I thought it must be a large moth or something like that. And yet when I turned on the lamp and I'd wait to see it draw near the light, there was nothing there. This happened a few times, always with the same result. Nothing there once the light was on. Then came the dream. I had countless dreams in that room, vivid ones too. There was the one about the abandoned house across the way, all hollowed out and dark, snakes sliding over bones. Or the one with the lost man from a show I had seen, finding his way to my bedroom window, hand on the glass and bleeding out of his eyes. But nothing was like this dream. The others come off as almost comically nightmarish, maybe just the overactive mind of an imaginative child. But this dream, this one, it felt vitally different in that it felt so very real. In the dream, I wake up in my bed. It's nighttime and I'm on my stomach, looking into the mirror that rests over my pillow. I can see the television is on in the reflection, and then I'm moving, turning from my stomach to my back. But halfway in that transition, it's as though my physical body stops moving, and yet I can still feel it turning. Turning, and, and I can feel this pulling sensation, and I want it to stop. I try to make it stop, but it won't. I become convinced that if I can't stop what's going on, my back will be snapped. I'm terrified, I'm helpless, and so I call out. I call out for my mother. The next thing I remember the light is on and my mother is sitting beside me. She has a cup of water in her hand and I reach out to take it, vision blurry and distorted, as if I had just awakened from the deepest sleep of my life. And that was it, or so I thought. It would be years later before I would learn that there was more to that night, that what I saw in my head in that dream was something else altogether when my mother came into my bedroom. What about the nights that I had that dream? You know, what, what did you see and hear when you came to my room? 
you were already in your bed, and like you said, in the back bedroom, a bedroom of your own for the first time, and your dad and I were watching TV, and I'll never remember what it was or what time of night it was. I'm assuming it was on maybe 10 or 11 o'clock because you'd been in the bed and hopefully sound asleep is what we'd have thought. And trying to remember now, I don't know if you called for me, if you specifically were calling for Mama, or if you just hollered out. I don't remember. But for whatever, whether it was that, whichever it was, I got I got up off the couch and came down the hall. I don't remember any, you know, running or anything. I just, but like I said, when I stepped in the doorway, it was, it was like stepping through a threshold into a different place. I do remember seeing you coming sort of off the side of the bed and and trying to hold on for dear life. And here again, I can't remember if you were crying or hollering out or if you were, I don't, it, everything's, it was like that time, but you know, when people say everything stood still, it was like that. It was like that out of time. There was just this roar of silence and I remember grabbing you and and your eyes were sort of rolled back in your head and and there was just this look on your face of almost contorted in a way and your body was trying to arch backwards in an odd sort of way. I, it's so hard to describe it because I think in that moment I just went into a different place. I remember grabbing you, and even as I grabbed onto you, you were still going away, physically going away. And I, I remember screaming no, just no, no, no. But whether it was that internal scream or if we were really out of time because I know I was screaming, and I knew that something was pulling you away from me. It was going to take you in whatever form, and I, I can't ever say what, but I just knew it instinctively. And so that's when I made up my mind. You weren't going. I would stop it, whatever it took. I would not let you go. And so I don't know how long we were in that struggle. I lost all track of time. Uh, it just went on and on and on until I felt you go limp. I felt you sort of come back into yourself. I felt you were there. You were there, and I was holding on to you. And... Uh, and it was over. And like I said, I cannot remember the length of time. I can't remember whether I was screaming out loud or it was, I, I, it was just a fight for your life. I knew that.
After that dream and what happened, I never had another experience in that house. And time moved on, and so did I. I got older, my parents got divorced, the house was sold, and except for a piece of wood that had charted the growth spurts of all of us siblings, everything else was left behind. And to a certain degree, my recollections have grown a little hazy, fading just a bit due to the ups and downs of life. My mother believes that time has dulled the memories, and that that's a good thing. I suppose she's right. For a while, I asked questions. I asked my father and my grandmother about the land, about who was there before we were, and heard names that are familiar to the area. I know that the foundation of some other home was there when my family began to build. The charred remains of someone else's life, melted glass and mason jar lids warped by flames. I know my mother found arrowheads in the garden, the edges no longer sharp but caked with dirt. And I've wondered if anyone who has lived there since has ever felt like they were being watched, if they have ever seen a shadow against the wall, or if they've ever had a dream that they couldn't seem to wake up from. I'm still fascinated by what happened in that house, by what I experienced. And yet there is so much I don't know. I don't know who the woman was or where she came from. I don't know if it was her in the back bedroom with me or someone else or something else. And I'm not sure what's scarier to me, the idea of knowing or of never knowing. I only know what I saw and what I went through. I know I believe in ghosts and I know I never want to see another one. And in the end, maybe that's all I need to know. Hey listeners, you want everyone to know what you did last summer? Want to bring a little Halloween to even the sunniest of days? Check out our merch store at shop.spreadshirt.com N-O-T-L-G for shirts, hoodies, mugs, and commemorative knives. Okay, that was a joke. We don't actually have hoodies. Okay, that also was a joke. We do have hoodies. This has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit NLTLG.com.